Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. That is a comforting thought. Especially given all the things that can separate us from each other, right? Paul mentions a few of these. Trouble. Distress. Harassment. Famine and nakedness. Danger. And particularly relevant to us this week, the sword. Paul's list, of course, is not exhaustive. There are other things that lead to different types of separation. Some of them are completely normal and natural and unavoidable. You can't become an adult, for example, without leaving childhood behind. Though some of us try really hard to hang on. I once heard, some, I once heard someone say, I had a really rough childhood, but man, it was long. Every choice that we make requires separation from an alternate option. My spiritual director says that each time you say yes to someone or something, you are simultaneously saying no to someone or something else. At the time, it was a reminder for me that I had inadvertently been saying no to my family way too often. There's so much that separates us especially from those we love most. Death, for sure. Romans 8 is read at funerals almost as often as 1 Corinthians 13 is read at weddings. Death separates us from the ones we love. We let our differences separate us. Race, gender, sexual identity, socioeconomic standing, ethnicity, political party. In recent history, we've become more and more separated politically and in the church theologically. Yet nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from God's love, but we often separate ourselves from the experience of God's presence. I mean, all these same powers that separate us from each other and from ourselves can also separate us from the experience of God. We get caught up in the busyness of life or trouble, distress, harassment, and all the rest cause us to turn away from or feel abandoned by God. Today is the first Sunday in Lent. And so as we begin to turn back toward God through spiritual practices like prayer and fasting and giving of alms, as is our custom during Lent, we are reminded that we cannot return to God without returning to each other. Not when you know and seek to love and serve a God 
who calls us over and over and over again throughout the Hebrew text and the New Testament to love neighbor and to seek justice. And not without a renewed faithfulness to not only the spiritual practices, but also to the lives that they lead us to live. Amos was an 8th century prophet who was preaching to Israel during a time of relative security. There was not an imminent um, military threat at the time. And the Israelites, they were worshiping regularly. They worshiped and they sacrificed and they celebrated elaborate festivals at Bethel. But God was not pleased. Because while their spiritual practices were robust, they weren't very authentic. They praised God with their songs and their prayers and their ritual practices, but they abused and oppressed at the same time the vulnerable in their society. So after ranting about the hypocrisy of worship in light of lives lived, Um, with practices bent toward injustice, God proclaims through this 8th century prophet to the Israelites what true worship looks like. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Ever-flowing might best be translated unfailing. If our worship and our sacrifice is sincere, if it means anything at all, then justice and righteousness must flow from these practices without fail. That's what we are exploring during Lent this year. And since the origin of Lent was born out of the early church's, early church's practice of preparing um, people for baptism, we will look at God's call for us to live just lives through the lens of baptism. In our baptism, we take time to carefully speak the name of the one who's being baptized. It's a tradition that's born out of the gospel accounts of Jesus' own baptism. You remember the story. As Jesus emerges from the waters of the Jordan River, the heavens split And the Holy Spirit descends, and God's voice, like rolling thunder, claims, You are my Son, beloved. When you know and seek to love and serve a God who names each one, every one, beloved, that unfailing stream of water that rolls down like the justice God so desires becomes the same water that washes over us in our baptism and calls us to reject evil, injustice, and oppression in all its forms. We cannot be truly and deeply connected to God or each other without a desire for and a bent toward unfailing justice. In a world that's obsessed with right and wrong, 
with who's good or bad, who's in or out, or who's on this side or that side. It is a radical practice to name each person child of God. And only when we take God's claim on the hearts and lives of everyone is authentic love for other possible. Just as nothing separates us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, we are called in our baptism to let nothing separate us from each other. That's the work of the journey that we will be embarking on during this season of Lent. That as we approach the cross, we might move toward the justice that Jesus' own life and death and resurrection demonstrated. Jesus, the one who Paul reminds us died and even more was raised and who also is at God's right side. God is, or Jesus is the one who pleads our case for us, y'all. The justice that is only possible when we are truly able to accept and receive all people as God's beloved children. Admittedly, a task that is far easier said than done. A task that only begins when we embrace the vulnerability that Christ demonstrates at the cross. A vulnerability that makes the first move. A vulnerability that reaches out in love even to those who despise him. I'm reminded of that type of vulnerability by a video that I saw recently. I want to share it with you. It's about three minutes long. If only Christ would have received the same response... If only we could extend the same love. The love to all those that God claims as beloved children. At a time when racism and sexism and all sorts of other isms seem to prevail, when our country is debating what our stance toward immigrants will be, when our church is waiting on the Council of Bishops to advise us on how we might move forward in terms of how we will include or not include all of God's beloved GLBT children. At a time in our history when Ash Wednesday is marked by yet another mass shooting, what is now the second worst school shooting in our nation's history, it's time to repent. It's time for us to turn back toward God and toward each other. To turn back toward one another and especially toward those that we struggle to identify with or to accept as children of God. With the love of our justice-loving God, 
a love that desires good for all people and is willing to make the first move to embrace them. I want us to begin that practice right now, right here in this sanctuary. I'd like for each of you to turn to the person beside you, and if you don't know their name, ask what their name is, and then I want you to say, name, you are a child of God. And then I want you to turn to the person on your other side and lean forward and talk to the person in front of you. Go across the aisle. Ask the person next to you what their name is. And let's embrace one another as children of God. Amen.